Let's open the word of the Lord to Genesis chapter 12. We'll read from verses 1 through 3. Then we'll go to Genesis 13. I'll be going back and forth as usual, so if uh, you have pencils and paper, it'll be good. Some of you maybe have an iPad. Some of you use your little phone. Make sure that you're typing the verses, not that you're tweeting to somebody else, all right? I I can't tell the difference. If you're, if you're on the phone now, I can't tell if you're tweeting to somebody or, or you're, you're actually reading the Bible. Because some of you have apps right in your, in your iPhone or your, your smartphone. As we dismiss the children, let's begin reading the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. Then I love this statement. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. We know ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ came through his posterity, his loins, so uh, we know that in Christ we're blessed. In Genesis 13, verses 14 through 17, Genesis 13, verses 14 through 17. After Lot, his family member, had gone, uh, they could not stay together. They were too numerous, so they had to go their separate ways. Lot picked Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham then went to the plains of Canaan. And so the Lord said to Abraham, said, look as far as you can see, in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm giving you all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. I'm amazed at how God uh, did that with Abram. And he specifically told him, walk the land. He says, think about sand. Can you count it? He, He was very clear in impacting the man's mind. Why did he do it that way? Well, simply because God made the brain. So he knows the way the brain operates. Whatever we can see here, we will help to produce here. So he was talking to Abraham and then letting him practice a faith in action. Not only is I'm just giving to you, now walk it out, flesh it out. So that's very important that we need to understand. We're going to talk about a couple of minutes, uh, questions from Abraham's life and and, and issues that, that pop up, but questions from Abraham's life. I'm going to have some questions for you a little later on. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to us, that you teach us, that you open up the eyes of our understanding. I pray that you would reveal to us your truths. I thank you that you are our teacher. You're the one that reveals the deep secrets uh, that are hidden, uh, that have been hidden for today. And I pray you reveal them to us through your word. I thank you that you and your word are one. So as we read and study your word, and uh, as we seek you, you will open up to us the treasures of your word. Father, we thank you for it. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated in God's presence. When we go to Galatians chapter 3, we have the writer of the book of Galatians, he says this in verses 6 through 9. And then in 14, he said, In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous 
because of his faith. Galatians 3, verse 6 through 9. Abraham believed God, so that trust factor gave him a, a special relationship with Almighty God. It says here, the real children of God, I'm sorry, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to the time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. Now, Gentiles is anybody that's not part of the Jewish faith, right? But yet, in Christ, the Bible says we are also sons of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. So there are some things that happen in Abraham's life that also can happen in our lives. There's a factor that he had with Almighty God, a relationship with Almighty God that we can have with Almighty God also. God blessed this man. God gave him wisdom. God gave him grace. God gave him favor. And God also wants to do the same with us in our generation. And it says here that the scriptures looked forward to the time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. One of the things about faith is faith is long-suffering. Faith believes today, but it'll also believe next year. It'll believe 25 years from now. How many of you have been serving the Lord now for, let's say, 10 years? See, in God's eye, that's just a, that's a, just a moment. But for us, it's a long time. Yet what He promised you 10 years ago is still alive. Sometimes what you're sowing for is going to take a lifetime. Sometimes what you're sowing for, you're not going to get next year. There are some processes sometimes that you need to go through to receive your inheritance or the word of the Lord. So uh, I say that because there's some things that God wants to do in and through every one of us. There's some of you right now that are teenagers and you watch TV and you see some of these people get very famous very quickly. You know, that's not the norm. And you need to understand that and be at peace with yourself. Right now, um, if you're going to school, you're in a good place. But I, I want you to understand that when God is working in and through you, He'll take you through different experiences, different scenarios. And as you walk with God, God will start giving you wisdom to be able to walk through these issues. I remember when I was a, a child, um, uh, God was working in my life. I didn't know it, though. But yet He was ordering my steps. I would walk. I told you last week, I would walk the streets. Uh, I, would, uh, I had a lot of time because my parents worked from 4 to 12. And I went to school from 8 to 3, right? So when I got home, my parents weren't home. So I had a, a caretaker. Uh, it wasn't, I wasn't fancy. It was not a millionaire thing. It was just that this lady, very nice, but she didn't have a home. So we had a large apartment, so she had one apartment. So in lieu of rent, she would watch over me, and pretty much the parents would go to work, and they knew that somebody was watching over their child. Not. <laughs> she didn't care. Because basically she stayed in a room with a little dog, a little fancy dog. Yeah, the little dog, she loved the dog, and that was it. She'd make sure I have food, whatever that thing was. I still don't know to this day what it was. <laughs> but pretty much I was free. So I would go out to the streets. I'd hang out all day as a child. I was 13 years old, 14 years old, 12 years old. And uh, so I remember there was a lot of times where I could have easily uh, been murdered or killed or, or destroyed. Now, certainly I was not hanging around with the right people. Right? Uh, so what was left? Uh, the pseudo-families, the gangs. So uh, you know, I had an opportunity to, to see the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, and I was raised in, in Harlem. So um, it was an inner city. You know, I, I was raised, I was exposed to the inner city I, I, in the late 60s, early 70s. I know what racism is all about. Um, and I experienced some of it because of my light skin living in Harlem. 
you know, people were very angry in that area. Any, anybody that you know, had my hue, so you know, I had to learn how to either run very quickly or fight very quickly. Now, I, I'm being serious. It was, it, uh, there were times I, w I almost was murdered. I mean, uh, this close, uh, various times I was almost murdered. But God kept me in that process. And, and that's what I love about God. When He's forming you, he, he, He'll protect you, He'll keep you. And, and for you that are going to school right now, you're, you're dealing with this bully issue, you're, you're dealing with these geniuses. Really, I, I, I want to say another word, but I'll use genius. But I really mean something else, okay? So understand the context. Um, and, you know, and, and I don't understand why, but human nature has a tendency to be insensitive, selfish, mean-spirited. So you have to walk above that because you have so much value to God that if you don't catch it quick or you don't catch it clearly, the bullies will get their way and you'll think you have no worth. And that's a lie of the devil. You have great worth. You're very special. You're amazing. And you have to fulfill a great purpose uh, sometime down the road. But God can use it right there. I remember when I came to church for the first time at age 15, they told me that God loves me. So that's the first time I had ever heard that. So when I heard that, um, all the things I had learned in the streets, all of the things people had told me, um, the experiences I had, I realized, wow, so you mean to tell me that really wasn't truth? So I was able to catch the word of the Lord for my life at a time where I really, really needed it. And who was there? Nate? Brenda? They're downstairs, right? Where are you? Where are you? I'm calling you. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> so. No, I was looking on this side. But you know what happened? It was, it was the Nates and the Brendas of that generation that grabbed a hold of me. And, and, and through Sunday school, really Sunday school, because we'd go to church at 9 o'clock in the morning, I guess, or 10. We'd do Sunday school to about 12 or 1 o'clock. Then we'd come back at night at 6 o'clock and have the service. That's the way that worked. So I remember Sunday school started teaching me the Word, and then the Word started becoming life in me. And that's what changed me. And, and so by age 15, I realized, oh my God, I have a purpose. God has a purpose for me. So I want to let all of you know, God is already working a purpose for you. You just might not know it. But I just want to reinforce that in you today. All you teenagers, all you young men and women, you're precious. God loves you. He already has a purpose for you. You're amazing. You're special. You're anointed. You're gifted. And you're appointed for a generation. And, and he'll start with you now. Because at age 15, I started preaching right away. What I was preaching, I have no idea. But I know it's good stuff. I know it's good stuff, because once I started reading the Word, then I started, what's that, regurgitating? Regurgitating the Word, because whatever I heard, that's what I preached. I didn't know much. God loves you, for, so, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And we had, of course, our very famous verse, which was, Jesus wept. That's the shortest uh, verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And that's one of the first ones we always learn. You know, Jesus is weeping for you. <laughs> but hey, what are you, why is he weeping? Come to church on Sunday and we'll tell you why. Yeah, but we, we start, and I tell you, man, I fell in love with the Lord. Uh, I, let, I, I met my wife, you know, we, we went together to church and it really just changed me, changed my future, changed everything about me. The, the, the fact that God would give me a vision, the, the, the fact that God told me, you don't understand, I knew you before you were even born. You were precious to me before you became substance on earth. Wow! Really? <laughs> really? It was hard for me to understand that. But once I got it, I changed my future, changed my, changed my life. Praise God. So God started dealing with Abram because the first thing God tells Abram, Abraham, I want you to leave your family's home. I have something special for you. That geographically, I need to reset you. And you're going to have to leave the people you're around because they can't receive what I'm giving you. 
And this is the problem. Many of your friends, they don't know who you are after the Spirit of God. They only know you in the flesh. They know your limit. They know your current limit. And, and so when I heard that and I understood that, my friends would say, ah, yeah, we know why you're going to church. You're going to church for the girls. <laughs> no, I legitimately fell in love with God. And I said, I told him that. No, you watch. Watch me. I'm going to change and, and I'm going to be something special in the future because God said so. Amen. See, but I, I got that revelation. I caught it. Amen. What did I have? In the natural, nothing. But I knew that God had a deposit in me and he has a deposit in every one of you today. Amen. Say to your neighbor, he has a deposit in you. Say to your neighbor, he has an investment in you. Praise God. He's totally invested in you. So when God told Abraham, you have to leave your place, he was saying that because if he would have stayed in that same place, he would have never developed into the man of God he was supposed to be. And sometimes God, have to, he has to shift you. And God told him, you even have to leave that current family because if you don't leave that, that area, they're, they're going to continue to share with you philosophies. Uh, and in this case, his, his, his father worshipped many gods. So he had to get out of that setting because God was about ready to use him as a prototype of, of a man of faith, a prototype of, of future generations that would serve God, that would build altars before God, that would, that would teach the children the ways of Almighty God. You know, and, and even today, the scripture boasts on this man and, and, and says that every nation is blessed through the faith of this man. So as we study his life, we could see that from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it talks about him. But it's not that he was special, it's that he trusted Almighty God in every circumstance and situation. So God, the one who's precious now, said, now I'm going to bless you and every nation, every people are going to be blessed through you. And what eventually happened, he had so many children, but in all the children, he had sons who had sons who had sons who had sons, then Jesus was born. So the lineage created the future Messiah. Praise God. So God proclaimed the good news the gospel to Abraham long ago. He told them all nations will be blessed through you. So all that put their faith in Christ Jesus share the same blessing received because of his faith. That, that is found in Galatians. Uh, we're reading 6, 9, and 14. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham. Say that with me. God has blessed, God has blessed the, Gentiles the Gentiles with the same blessing... He promised, Abraham. he promised Abraham. So that means we all have it. Something that one group is better than another. No. Any person who comes to Christ is special. Any person that comes to Christ has the blessing. Is empowered by Almighty God to be blessed on earth. Hallelujah. To walk in the, with the Spirit of God, with the grace of God, with the wisdom of God. To be a nation shaker. A nation changer. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So out of the purpose of God, Abraham then received the godly vision. And that's how it works. Vision doesn't come just from you. Vision comes from Almighty God. And He births it in you. And as you seek Him, He starts showing you little by little. Then vision gave Abraham strength to persevere. Because here's what happened. It didn't happen right away. God told him, I'm going to give you a son. And through that son, you're going to have sons and daughters and sons and daughters and sons and daughters. Meanwhile, he was 75 years old. When he was 90, he still didn't have the son. When he was 95, he still didn't have his son. Now, not for nothing, but when you're 95, I think that uh, the burying days are probably over. Yet God had promised himself. It, was, it became so apparent that nothing was going to happen in the flesh 
that Abraham's wife said, well, you know, maybe I think that God means that you should have a child and, and of course you could have your maid here because I can't have children, I'm too old. Maybe through this maid you can have a son and that could be your heir. See, that's the way the flesh thinks. We love to try to interpret what, what God's going to do. And every time we try to help God, you know what ends up happening? We make a big mess. Although, in order to have a testimony, you have to have a test. And in order to have a message, you need to go through some form of mess. Right? So he went through his mess, and today we have a message. Because what happened is he, he listened to his wife, they got in the flesh, they stopped trusting God, and they have an Ishmael. Now, Ishmael became a great man himself, a great nation. But the problem is God wanted to bless him because he said so, him and, and Sarah. Not because Sarah was better or Ishmael's mom was better. It doesn't make a difference. When God says, I want to bless you, because he feels like it. Right. You know? How many of you ever owned a dog here? Now, why? Why would you possibly want to do that? Did you get an apartment and suddenly the dog came with the apartment? <laughs> right? I remember when, I, when I, I bought a dog years ago. I wanted to bless my, you know, we got in a little home and I wanted the dog and the picket fence and the whole thing. So I bought a dog. One day I'm passing by a dog place and, and, you know, in the window they have the dogs, especially the pretty ones. So I'm passing by the window and I go, that's a nice dog. That's a nasty dog. That's a pretty dog. That's a dead. Then I saw Snoopy. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as I saw him, I dubbed him, you are Snoopy. Because you, you remember Snoopy from, uh, what do you call it? Peanut. You guys know the lioness and all those guys. Well, Snoopy looked like that Snoopy. So I said, it's got to be the same. So it was a little miniature dachshund. And I went in there and I put down $500 and I got my pure breed little miniature dachshund. So I brought him home. So I named him Snoopy. I got the dog. I got the dog that I wanted to. Why? Just because. Now I'm not calling us dogs. What I am saying, if you're the owner, you pretty much pick what you want. Yeah. We watch HGTV, my wife and I, and some of the ladies, they are so picky. Never the guys, of course, never the guys. It's always the ladies, you're always so picky. You have to have a perfect house and this and that. I'm just joking, by the way, because some guys are even worse than the girls. But it's amazing. But this is what they want. They're the ones spending the money. With all due respect, they can be picky. Can I be picky, please, if I'm buying my house? Thank you. Thank you for giving me permission to be picky. <laughs> but see, God is God. He chose this man. And he said, I want to bless you. If you're faithful to me, I'm going to do this in and through you. Who are we to say, well, why him? Why couldn't it have been Joe or Harry or Larry or Curly or Mo? Well, guess what? The same way he chose him, he's choosing you. And your friends are saying, maybe, you're not worth it. And God is saying, uh, uh, I'm saying he is. I'm saying she is. You understand? Who's going to win that argument? God. Almighty God. So you're special, get over it, and that's it. Period. <laughs> See, so he picked Abram, and he says, I want to bless you and Sarah. From you, there's going to be a, a, a precious son, and he's going to follow my ways, and you're going to have many children. And out of that, the lineage of Jesus Christ is going to come forth, the Messiah, right? So at age 90, he's saying, can't happen. Sarah is like 89 or 88. I'm already 90. Guess what? 99 years old. They still don't have the, the boy. But now they have Ishmael. So he's grooming Ishmael. And God visits him, I guess, at age 99. And God tells him, um, okay, I'm ready to bless you now. Huh? 
Yeah, yeah. I told you I'm going to give you a child. It's not Ishmael. I'm giving you a specific child. I know him. And that's the one I want to bless through. Okay, if you're going to give me a child now, 99? Yeah, with Sarah. So Sarah's overhearing this, and she starts laughing. She, yeah, right. In a million years, you know, it's, I, I don't know how they spoke in those days, but... So it's just paraphrase. That doesn't say, really doesn't say it in the scripture. So, you know, here she is, she's laughing, and the angel comes and says, you're going to see it in nine months. And I think something happens, or she couldn't talk or something. I, I forgot what it was in particular. But the point is, is something that was impossible, God made it very simply possible. Amen. And you're going through situations right now that you think are impossible for God. Hello, ye of little faith. I'm talking to somebody right now. Because some of you are arguing with God, you're fighting with God, you say, eh, this ain't working. Excuse me, process. Amen. Praise God. So Abraham received strength to persevere. All these years he trusted God. And God told him at 99, you gotta, you're going to have a son. He said, okay, I believe it. So now, not for nothing. Not for nothing. But let me throw a scenario there. God spoke to him. You're going to have a son now. Now it's time. So God spoke. Now what did Abraham have to do? You would hate to give birth at 90-something years old? Well, guess what? At that age, they had to become intimate. And they had to say, well, let the word of the Lord come forth. So you saying, oh, pastor, how can you talk about that? <laughs> how do you have children? <laughs> With all due respect. There's only one way, right? I mean, uh, you, come on. Some of you say, well, it could be done in the laboratory. At that time and that day... <laughs> You know, Abbott Laboratories did not exist. So they had to trust God in that process, go against the nature of their own flesh, and act when God spoke so that the vision could come to pass. <laughs> See, some of you now started, oh, yeah, you're right. It wasn't just automatically. The only time that ever happened where no man was involved was Mary. And even still, there had to be a birth. So even still, Mary had to go through the full process of being pregnant, taking care of herself, and physically birthing a child. So people of God, faith requires action. So God is speaking to you. You're precious. You're, you're, you're incredible. But now God is going to have you stand against the crowd. He's going to have you stand out. You're going to be amazing, but you're going to be weird nowadays. See, before it was normal to be Christian. Now it's weird to be Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's weird to be Christian. Because now society is trying to get rid of everything God, everything Bible, every, anything Christian. But yet, God's about ready to do the greatest things in this day. Come on. Right. I'm saying it again. God is about ready to do the greatest things in this day. The most amazing things in this day. And He's going to do it, guess what, through a lot of young folk. Because some of my age and a little older that, you know, the 50s, 60s, now it's our turn to mentor you guys. It's our turn to, to get everything ready for you, the buildings ready. It's, it's our turn uh, to get the schools ready, to get you trained, to get you mentored. Amen. Praise God. So some of you are going to do some amazing things. You're going to take this to the next level. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Abraham was born to be a father of a multitude, but he had to go through ordained processes. 
Praise God. So whatever our purpose is, you have a purpose. Tell your neighbor you have a purpose. Whatever your purpose is, there is a process. And right now you're going through that process. And most of you don't like your process. But especially you cooks, you know that in order to make some good arroz con gandule, sounds good just about right now, right now, amen, amen. to make a good steak, right? What's a favorite meal that you have? I already said that one, arroz con gandule. What else? Bistec con tostones, a steak with, with, what do you call them again? Plantains, fried plantains. It's good stuff. What else? What's another? Huh? Roast pork, that takes a long time. And then you got to prepare the meat, you got to season it. You know, you don't, you don't just throw a slab of meat on, on the fire. and huh? Lasagna, I, I like lasagna, but you have to layer lasagna. Different type of cheeses, right? Well, I just buy that, you know. <laughs> but... It's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> so the bottom line is, anything good or worth its weight, it's got. You got to go through a process, and some of the best foods take a long time. My mother, uh, my mother and dad, they were laid off for a season, and so in order to generate money for a season, they would make every single week something we call pasteles. It's a type of Spanish patty that is made with um, a type of green banana. Right? And you have to, I mean, the, the, the process to make that thing, it's ridiculous. They used to have to spend all day, it, it, you know, just taking those bananas and then, you know, pop, you know how, what is it that you do? Great, great, grate it, <laughs> then mash it. Uh, you know, and, uh, you remember the yucca? Yeah, amazing what they had to do. Then the meat cut it into pieces. My dad, I, I used to see him all day long in the kitchen. I remember him with his wife beater shirt. <laughs> yeah, he had a wife beater shirt working and, and put, hey, come Saturday, that's it. They made a couple hundred dollars. They would come up with, okay, my, my cousin Tonya, she needs some pateles, you know. But yeah, they, they, they survived, you know. They survived until he was able to get rehired. Yeah, Tonya, Tata, you know. All, all the, I mean, I had so many. And I, you know, but yeah, hey, they had, they had their client list, they, you know. They, they had the delivery times. So it was like a little business. You know? But the point is, that thing took so long. But yet, when the people sat down, all they had to do was put it inside the microwave. Those days, I don't know the microwave. In water, in water with a little salt. I take it back, I take it back. <laughs> all right, fine, okay, okay. <laughs> but the point is, is that once they, they would sit down and eat it, it was a meal all by itself. These, these patties with a lot of meat in there. And another thing was the, the chicken soup. The chicken soup you get in the restaurant. The chicken soup we used to make, that was good because they used to throw everything in there. <laughs> everything. Rice and corn and, and pumpkin and, and what else? Meats. Carrots, potatoes. Every, it was a meal unto itself. You eat a bowl of that, you're full. And you shine and you, you want to run 10 miles. Amazing! I still miss it today. See, look at it. some people already talking about the bread and the. <laughs> uh, listen, we're talking about Abraham, okay? So, don't don't get don't get lost in the. In the, thing. the point I'm making is everything that is worth its weight. You, you've got to go through a process, 
And then the process leads you to confrontations. Because you're going to have to confront yourself. Abraham had to confront himself. He had to confront his faith. One time, he had to go move to Egypt for a small season. And he brought his wife. And his wife was drop-dead gorgeous. Right, she was. Gorgeous. And he says, you know, I'm afraid. Because you're so gorgeous, they might want to kill me to take you. So just say you're my sister. He forgot for a moment who he's serving. And God had to deal with that. Because what happened was, the king saw Sarah. And the king says, that's my wife. I want her. Who is she? This is my sister. Okay, you're going to be a wealthy man because that's going to be my wife. And an angel had to get involved and reveal himself to the king because the king was going to commit a crime. And God had to deal with, with Abraham. So Abraham had to go through challenges. He had to go, go through a confrontation. He had to go through any issues. You know, uh, uh, you know, what if God doesn't answer? So that's not endemic just to today. That happened way back when. He had to go through that process too. Abraham had to go through another issue. He had to also uh, go save one of his family members. One time his family member got in trouble and he had to get his trained guys. He had to go and fight for somebody else. How many of you are fighting for other people right now? See, vision will take you beyond your own Amen. comfort zone. It'll take you beyond your own uh, selfishness. That's right. what, 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 what could this do for me? You know, today we're selfish. Yeah. We want to know what it can do for me. And, and the commercials, are, they, they train us to be selfish. You deserve a break today. No, you don't. You don't deserve a break. You better work for everything you get. I, listen, if you go right now to American Airlines and say, I deserve a break, fly me now to Florida or the Bahamas because I deserve a break. They're going to go, okay, no problem. You get your break. Give me the money. Isn't it true? You're not special. We have to fight for everything right now. And when, when we catch a vision from God, God always connects us with a larger overarching vision, which is it's not just to bless you. Church is not a bless me club. Serving God is not a bless me club. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Serving God is not all, all about you. Amen. Serving God is connecting you into a family. Now you're no longer just concerned about you and yours. You're also concerned with your larger family. Right. And some of your sons, daughters, some of your brothers and sisters are still out there being messed up by the devil and they need the revelation of Almighty God. So you need to start bringing them in so they too can hear the glorious word of the Lord. Praise God. So Abraham also had to go beyond his me for no more and help other people. Right? God literally taught him how to be able to respond to vision. One time he tells him, he says, Abraham, um, I want you to come here. Go to the beach. See the sand? Can you count it? That's how your family is going to be. Then he says, the stars. What about the stars? Can you count the stars? He says, Ooh, no. He says, that's how your family is going to be. So, I want to let you know today that you have to start acting that way. You know why? Everything from TV to life, to circumstances, is geared to make you feel limited. To make you feel like you can't make it. To make you feel that you can't overcome. But yet God says... <laughs> I'm a great God. Call upon me, I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know nor understand. When God, when we ask, we, we need to start learning to ask big. Right now we've been so beaten up that oh, we, oh God, please. If I could just get past Monday. 
We're no longer asking big. We're, not all, we're no longer asking for the cities. We're no longer asking uh, for businesses that can help our communities. We just want to get by. Because we've been beaten up so much. And that's on purpose. But, but God wants to deliver you and set you free today. Because you're blessed with believing Abraham. And God said, I'm going to bless you. You don't understand. I'm going to bless you beyond you can even count. Beyond the point that you can even count. God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. So what we're thinking, God wants to do beyond that. Certainly what we ask, God wants to do way beyond that. And He wants to do that now in this season. Right now, the world doesn't know what in the world they're doing. Right now, there's manipulation all over the world. There are manipulations governmentally, nationally, and internationally. Most of what you hear on TV is a lie. It's a fabricated story to try to quell the people. So you need to learn, you need to research, because there's things that God wants to do in and through you in spite of our massive failures on a global scale and a national scale. Praise God. I'm telling you, I'm excited because I'm saying, oh, thank you, Lord, for this revelation. Right now, I'm, I'm thinking just for myself, I'm thinking for this local church, the things we're going to be connected to in the coming days and months. I'm excited about that because we're at, at the cusp of it. But I, I, I hear something around, uh, you know, in, on TV, in the community. I hear it on Channel 7 Eyewitness News that tries to mess with my faith. But since I'm already trained in that, I go, mm, I'm not going to receive it. I know who my God is. My God is not limited to this nonsense. My God is not limited to the arm of flesh. God can bless me even in a famine. I said God can bless me even in a famine. God bless Isaac and then even told him, I'm blessing you because of your father. I promised your father I would take care of you. Now here it is. Boom. And I want you to move to this place. But God, that place has a famine. Don't worry about it. So in that land. Land that was dead, God turned it around and it gave him a hundredfold. Yeah, but that's in the Old Testament. That's a real old. Excuse me, wherever people see God, God can make the land come alive just for them. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Years ago, years ago, I was very involved on a regional level. And I got to meet some great men and women of God. Humble people. People in South, Central America. People from Africa. I fellowshiped a lot. And I still have those friendships. It's just that, you know, I, I manage a property during the week, so I can't do travel like I used to. But let me tell you, I saw some great things. One of the greatest things that encouraged my faith was something that happened in a little town of Almolonga. I forgot if it's Chile or something like that. It was, huh? Oh, thank you, thank you. Central America, Guatemala. Uh, my wife and I actually went there in mission trips. Actually, we, we went with Minister Lewis one time. Uh, I saw one of the greatest things. There was a town there that the soil died. And it was so bad that they could not grow a harvest. And the town died. And all the people in that town, the majority were alcoholics or in prison. The place was so packed they could not keep the prisoners. Right? So one pastor decides to start fasting and praying for that community. And God tells him, you're going to have to topple the religious system of this community. So he started fasting and praying and went to the witch doctors and went to those that were worshipping their idols... And one of the guys even got so angry at him, they beat him, they punched him, broke his teeth. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the pastor kept on praying, kept on praying, kept on fasting. Little by little, those things started toppling. The, the, wish, doc, the wish doctors started coming to Christ. 
And, and, and little by little, the prisons started emptying out and people started coming to Christ. And there was a little revival in that place. Right? And suddenly the, 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 they closed down the prison because there were no more prisoners. Right? It got so wonderful that little businesses started cropping up. But then what blew me away was the fact that the ground, something happened to it and just came alive. And it started bringing forth tomatoes and yams and all different types of fruits and vegetables. But not normal though. They were like extra large. And, and the pastor came to the States and he went to my pastor's church and he brought a whole shopping bag full of these vegetables and fruits. And when we saw them, uh, there was one melon, uh, I forget the name of that thing, it just, it's, but it was so big. And I know it, usually it's like this, but this one was like this. And, and the other fruits and vegetables were ridiculously large. It looked, it looked almost like a little comical thing from Disney, like you see on TV. It didn't look real, but yet I was holding it in my hand. And then the pastor shared his testimony. He says, God started blessing the land so much because people repented in that area. They came back to God. They started seeking God that there was so much to do that they had to start immediately importing all the fruits and they didn't have enough trucks. So they, they, they had to sell enough fruit and vegetable to buy trucks. So they bought trucks and started sending them out. Then the land started producing again, over and over and over. Instead of one time a year, it started producing three, four, five, six times a year. And they, they, they could not keep up with the ground. The ground was so blessed that they had to keep on buying trucks. And now... You have businesses in that town all over the place. The prisons are closed. People are serving God. There's revival in that town. And they're very rich too, beside. Now their trucks are Mercedes-Benz trucks. See, that was a sign of healing to that particular town. But it was based on a man rallying the troops and say, we're going to seek God, we're going to bring down all these philosophies of failure, of destruction, of deceit, of disillusionment, and we're going to, believe, we're going to dare to believe God right here. Because if God could do it here, He could do it anywhere else. Amen. Praise God. And, and they saw it, and they're still seeing it. This is just one of the many towns. So there's this guy who films these things. So all over the world, in places that have been dead and, and in distress before, now they're coming alive because people are daring to believe God. And so I'm saying, you have to take this outside of the realm of what you're experiencing. Right now, you have to take it out of the realm of what your buddies are saying, your friends are saying, your circumstances or your past are saying. And you have to dare... You have to dare to believe God for a great harvest, a great tomorrow. Because guess what? He will do it. If you believe Him, if you trust Him, He will move in you and through you. You might be the person that's called to be the destiny changer in your family. Maybe you haven't even seen this in your family, but God is calling you to be the change agent in your family. Come on, give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that encouraged me so much. I said, you know, Lord, you did it there. You could do it here in New York. Hallelujah. So Abraham, he had to learn to receive God's vision. Abraham also, he had to learn the, the, the burden that vision gives. Because, you know, vision is a burden because once you see it, you, you're consumed by it. For me, part of my vision as, as a, a minister is to make sure you guys and our sons and daughters and grandchildren have a place. Now, that's, not, that's just going to be one place. We're going to have other places too. Yeah. 
but we have to have the first place. So that's a breakthrough place because that's going to open up everything else. Praise God. So uh, is it done yet? No, but I've walked in it already a hundred times, a thousand times. Even before we even had it, I had already walked in it because I know what that's going to produce. It makes you sacrifice, but you're sacrificing not at a loss now. You know when you sacrifice at a loss? When you go to um, Atlantic City. I didn't get not even one amen on that one. You know what I'm talking about. You're going in those machines, you know, you, 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 you literally, after a while, you, you get like Arnold Schwarzenegger arms, except one arm, because you're doing like this. Like. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's amazing. And they, you actually hope you're going to do, no, the only one that's winning there is Trump. And the owners of the casinos, they're the owners. It stretches you. Have you felt stretched? Isn't it interesting? A rubber band, when you put it in your hand, it's weak and mealy mouth, right? But what happens when you use it? You stretch it, right? When you stretch it, that's when it becomes strong. That's when it holds things together. That's the way we are. When we're stretched, that's when we become strong. That's when we realize how strong we really are. It teaches us to trust God. You know why? It takes us beyond our natural settings. Right now, I, yesterday I said, okay, we need floor. All right, I need to believe God for this. I need to believe God for that. I need to believe God for the other. Yeah, we learn to trust God. We also learn to persevere. Say with me, persevere. persevere. Sometimes it's not going to be rosy. Sometimes you're going to be, okay, Father, you said it. I'm, this is not a good day today. And it says, but I'm going to praise you because this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice anyway. I'll be, rejoice and be glad because you're in it. See, so we need to make that daily confession. And also, another thing, visionaries will attract a certain type of person. They'll push away the lazy folk or the ones that don't care for that, but they'll attract you to other winners, others that also see that big future that God wants to do. Amen. Remember this. I think it was John Maxwell that said this. My future, what God is showing me, my dream, my vision is the profit. You know, profit is what you get when you sell... You know, you buy stuff for $3 and you sell it for 5 so your profit is $2, right? That's profit. Well, my dream or the vision God gave me is my profit of what I will be one day. Amen. So I'm getting the profit now because I see it before it's actually done. Praise God. This will allow me at this point to give up something now. What are you going to give up for God's dream? What are you going to give up to be the man, the woman of God, the one that's going to bring the, the change? What are you going to give up? What can we give up? Some buddies maybe that aren't steering you the right way? Come on. Some people, they think they're, they're big and all that, and you watch them in 20 years. I mean, nothing. But yeah, you, consistent, walking with God, consistent, trusting the Lord. Watch how, what God's going to do with you. It allows me to give up what I am at the moment in order to what I will become in the future. It allows me to trust the invisible so that I could do the impossible. It allows me to trust God and His resources since it's His vision. And His vision and mission is much larger than me. It's much larger than my natural ability and resources. But I don't have to worry. He's going to give me what I need. It allows me to continue even when I am discouraged. Is anybody discouraged here? For when there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. My God. All right. So based on that, I have three or four questions for you. Today, this moment, 
Are you guilty of not leaning on your own understanding? The Lord says, trust Him. Lean on the Lord. And He will fill your barns. Are we leaning on the Lord? Or are we leaning in the, power, in the, in the arm of flesh? Are we trusting ourselves? Let me tell you, it'll get you to a place of frustration because after a while you know you're limited. Number two, is your mind submitted to His will? Or are you letting your mind go crazy? Yeah, because we talk to ourselves every day. You have inner talk. And that inner talk sometimes is very dangerous. So are you checking your inner talk? Number three, what do you have that the Lord can use now? See, sometimes you need to sow a seed now. And I'm, by seed, I don't mean money. I'm talking about you need to sow something. You need to sow yourself. You might, get, you might need to get yourself into a classroom. You might, you might need to dedicate some time, volunteerism in the church. You, you might need to open up a home group. You, you, you might need to sow some love. You, you might need to take a, a different spirit into your atmosphere, to your friends and your family members, so you could see a difference. Maybe you're the person that has to be sown into that to get the harvest. What do you have now that God can use? Have you even thought about that? What about me first? Is it me first or is it God first? The Bible says if we put God first, all these things will be added. So we want the things first and then we'll give ourselves to God. Uh, no, that's not the way it works. And we know that's not true. So many, many people say, oh yeah, when I hit the lotto, then I'll give something to the church. They hit the lotto, they, they disappear. <laughs> See, so it's not, it's not that first, it's always God first. If God's the center of your heart, then everything from there will come into divine order. Are you okay eating the crumbs right now? By that I mean, sometimes we think we need to have a lot more to serve God. Yet God is saying, I want you to take the little that you have, that you think is little. See, understand something about God. For God, little is big. I got one amen and everybody else is... Well, let me put it to this way. Have you ever got a cold before? Who toppled you? Who messed you up? I bet you it's something you can't even see. Small is the new big. Yeah, think about it. Right now, they're dealing with computers that can do, I don't know, a quadrillion moves per minute or per second, right? And you know how they're doing it? They have finally understood that just because we can't see something doesn't mean it's not big. Years ago, uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy uh, did a whole research and, and a debate with many of the scientists of his day. And they were trying to say that uh, we, are, we are the result of ooze, of, you know, like a, like a bio-ooze a bio that the earth had, you know, some, some, you know, gelled substance. And little by little we became an amoeba, then from an amoeba we became a tadpole, then from a tadpole we became a lizard, and from a lizard we became some form of humpy thing. <laughs> then the humpy thing became a, like a, 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 a monkey maybe, then a monkey became a, a Neanderthal, then a Neanderthal became a man, right? Right? So they think it was all by mistake, uh, there was a, the, the world exploded and sudden, just suddenly, the world exploded and suddenly it just decided to have life. Right? So they were trying to prove 
that at the molecular level, if they could show Dr. D. James Kennedy and the world that we're just primordial ooze, you know, at the most basis element that, you know, pretty much there's no God there. So, and they're still trying to find, quote unquote, the God factor. Many of them continue. But they can't because God can't be found. You know, he's, he exists all, you know, he just exists. But the point is, is when they started going in through their sub-micron microscopes, those high-power microscopes, they had digging deep, deep, deep in the cell, into the cell, deeper, deeper, deeper. What they found scared them, and they stopped talking about it. And uh, this was established, it's written, but they just stopped discussing it. But what they found was inside each cell, you have to go deep, 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 past the proton and the, and the, the nuclear, what do you call it? The nucleus, thank you, thank you. I, I haven't been in that school for many, many years. But way deep in there, they found bio, uh, what they were able to describe as something like a machine, something that's working. It's not human, you know, you don't have arms, but it, it, the little machines that actually work and produce and do. But they didn't look like humans. It just, you know, when you look in the, inside, you, what you see, little things that move like that, right? like motors, things like that. But they saw it deep, 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 even deeper than the little things that we see move in a regular microscope. It's, it's like taking a Walmart and making 500 Walmarts, right, together, and then packing them all with machines and all different things to do. Each machine is doing something different, and then make that into a microscopic size and keep on making it smaller, smaller, smaller. That's what they found. We thought that we're life. No, no, no. We're just part of a huge symbiotic process. Because even as at the deep molecular, molecular, submolecular to the submolecular to the tenth degree molecular, there are things. Why well, I say things? But they're living biotic or bio type of mechanisms that work. Who's the boss there? Who's the one that created them? And then, and then the problem was that denotes something very. Important. It's called design. Intelligent design. So they could not say we're primordial ooze because that, at that level, there is wisdom there. There's organization, logistical effort, administration there at that level. So now the humans have been able to tap into that stuff and they use, you know, they, they get memory from computer. How in the world could you save? 5,000 of your memos, your emails. How can you do that? Where do you save it? Where is it being saved? Well, somebody's filing it. And when you ask for it, it gives it to you right away. You never, you never stop to think about that? Who's filing all of that? Oh, it's us humans. No, no, no. We're just using a technology that's already in existence. We just tapped into something that's been in existence all along. I think I'm blowing some of you guys' minds or talking too much. No, I'm just saying, yeah, right? I'm just saying that God is in everything and He's amazing and He's my Heavenly Father and He's your Heavenly Father. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. The only limit we have is the limit we have uh, that we put upon ourselves. If we dare to believe God, there are things that can be put into motion. My God. When Daniel prayed, the archangel came and he said, I've been sent to you because you prayed. The words of your mouth have brought me. 
the words of our mouth release angels. The, word, the words of our mouth start creating circumstances and situations. That's why the Bible says there's death and life in the power of our tongue. So if we're not visionaries, we're always spewing death. But if we are visionaries and we get our life in sync with Almighty God, like Abraham did, now we start birthing life. We start birthing purpose. We start birthing things for this generation and future generations. And if you uh, dare to catch that, I don't care what age you are, if you dare to catch that, you can operate in the supernatural now, in your generation, in your time, right now, as God's putting you through the process. Because God's not punishing you in the process. He's allowing you to grow in the process. But in the process, He can use you every step of the way. Come on, give Him some praise. Hallelujah. All right, my time's up. My time's up. I have a couple of more questions. But the last question I'll ask you is, is there anything too hard for God? Jeremiah 32, 33. Is there anything too hard for God? I'm going to say it again. Is there anything too hard for God? What are you going through right now? What has He promised you? What has he told you? Is there anything too hard for God? God did it for Abraham. We're children of Abraham. We're blessed with the promise. We're co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We have the eternal thing set. Thank God, thank God for eternal life. But he says he wants to bless us. Whatever we lose in this life, hundredfold he wants to bless us with. Uh, houses, mothers, fathers, sisters, brethren. Whatever we lose, he'll give it back to us one hundred fold. Then it says, in this life. So there's some things you need to get back in this life. You lost something? Guess what? He's going to get it back to you. In this life. You've you've lost some things? The enemy's taken some things? Well, guess what? There's restoration. Then what does that mean, a hundredfold? That means you're not going to get it back the same way. What he's going to give you is better. The, the, The glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. So the glory of your life coming forward is going to be greater than what you experienced in the past.